Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard, and today on the show, we have got podcaster, author, Paris Prinkowitz. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. If you have not heard her podcast, Live Well Bipolar, uh, I cannot recommend it enough. It is uh, running circles around me. Honestly, I, I love it so much and I feel really lucky that she decided to sit down and have the conversation with me that we did. I'm not going to talk too much up at the top like I normally do, because I'm going to be honest with you. I am feeling a little depleted. I'm feeling like I've got nothing in the tank. You ever have one of those days where you just feel like you got nothing. You just got nothing. Uh, that's where I'm at. That's, that's where I'm at right now. I've been, uh, doing well on this new medication. Uh, I'm doing well in school and that's probably why I have nothing in my head. Uh, I had a 13 page paper that I had to, uh, just turn in merely hours ago. And I did that, a five page paper before that just yesterday. Uh, so yeah, it's safe to say there's a lot going on. And when there's a lot going on, sometimes you can really get stuck in your anxiety. And uh, I'm doing my best to remember to breathe and center and be a human being. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's get into this great conversation. Uh, I highly recommend you check out her book, Crooked Illness, and that you also check out the podcast, Live Well Bipolar, with the amazing... Paris Prinkowitz. All right. Technical difficulties aside. Hi, Paris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah, it's been minutes. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm ex so excited to be here. Like we were just saying before, um, we had our little technical stuff going down. We got connected and we found yeah. one, one another. And I'm excited to be here just to kind of get into my story with bipolar, just the whole whole experience with that. And then really just to be able to share how, you know, you were mentioning too, like with both of our shows, you know, having mm -hmm. like the same kind of time frame and getting into it. So I'm just excited to really get into, you know, why I decided to start this. What's my journey been like? Like, what is it? What has helped? What hasn't helped? What's been the most impactful? So I am a complete open book and whatever you want to ask, I am here to answer. Great. I love it. <laughs> uh, so let's dig right in. I, I, I want to go back. I want to go back uh, before the diagnosis, pre-diagnosis. Uh, what was your life? What was happening? Yes. 
So pre-diagnosis before, cause I was first diagnosed at 19 with bipolar. And then before that, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with depression, but before any of that started mm-hmm. happening, I really had a really hard time just even getting into the conversation of wanting to talk about different things in terms of feelings, emotions, like getting into any of the, t- any ways of expressing that I wasn't really sure of how to do that. And I feel like a lot of it kind of contributed to the environments and my habits and my patterns of thinking that was really very negative and how I treated myself and spoke to myself. So almost con- basically conditioning myself to just push forward almost with this facade of everything's okay. You know, everything's good. You know, it might not be the best, but this is kind of the extent to where it can be. And really just, I feel like in that headspace, allowing myself to get around different people who weren't really help, you know, helping out in terms of, okay, you know, this is how you are. Let's try to, you know, do something different. Let's try to figure out what the root of this is. Let's try to get to the bottom of this to kind of come out of it. It was a lot of it was very distraction based. So what can I do to distract myself? What can I do to get away from this? What can I do? Because it's not real. Maybe I'm making it worse than it is in my head. My life's not that bad. And, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many people in the world who have, way worse circumstances and here I am not happy. So yeah, a lot of it was on me and I put a lot on myself. So, and not allowing myself to even get into the conversation of why, why did I become that way? Well, and what was the conversation about mental health growing up? I mean, what, because everybody has, um, everybody has different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people have very open families like, oh, my uncle had depression in the family, you know, thought he was fucking nuts. Like nobody mm-hmm. talked to him uh, or uh, or the inverse of that, where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody in the family's crazy and we're all happy together. Like, I mean, it, you know, there's there's a big spectrum of ways that that can go. So mm-hmm. for you, what was what was the flavor of your uh, mental health upbringing? Yeah, so it re- it wasn't talked about and I remember even I talk about this a little bit in my story which is Crooked Illness the book that I published last year but I get into a little bit of co- some conversations that would come up at the dinner table of things that were happening with different family members and when the topic would come up of suicide it was always like no, we're not going to talk about this. This is not somewhere we're going to go and I feel like I wanted to understand what can, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does a person have to, how does that, how are we able to help people in these situations? And it was almost like, no, like that's on them. It has nothing to do with, and it was just really hard because I just, uh, everything I knew about mental health was what I would see on like TV or shows. And you would always see the characters who were, you're like, it's either super, super extreme to one end or super, super extreme to the down end. And I'm like, wow, like how do people live like that? How do people live and get up every day and try to go about what they're trying to do or just even function normally with having these different ranges and that's all I knew and that's all I saw. So when I would try to kind of discuss it, it was always like, oh, like it, you know, it's not affecting you you're, you seem fine. So we don't need to get into these topics. And that's kind of how it was growing up. And just even, 
at home. It wasn't really something we ever got into. It was pretty much just like kind of more surface level stuff. So, and even in just different friend groups and in school and different things, like it wasn't ever what it is now where it's more talked about. And especially, you know, with, with having the whole COVID thing, getting into like different people being separated, more talked about mental health states. And I never knew anything like that growing up at all. I just, I, I, all I knew was I heard about depression and anxiety with bipolar. I really didn't know anything. I just thought, I remember being at a sleepover one time and hearing someone say my uncle has bipolar and he, you know, one time was like chasing my aunt around with a knife and they had to put him in this hospital. And I thought, I'm like, Oh, a hospital where you go when you're sick or something like that. I'm like, Oh, what is that going to do? You know, like I didn't understand it at all. And I remember trying to figure it out and I just didn't, didn't understand it. Couldn't really understand how someone could have that experience. And until that's until I started noticing different things in myself. And again, like going back to how I dealt with it before, which is just run away, run away, ignore it, distract yourself, do different things, just keep pushing, keep doing these different things and never really addressing what's going on. What are the triggers? Like, what are the events that go in line with it? And not, I felt like I didn't have resources or anyone that I knew of who was open about anything. Like I never met someone who was like, Oh, I have this diagnosis or my, or someone has it. And I really want to, you know, talk about it. It was always, it was mentioned. And then it was, let's just change the subject. So I was like, what, like, how are you going to learn or understand? (laughs) Well, (laughs) what were your main distractions? Like, what were you into? Yeah. So what a lot of it was just, I remember working a lot. I was, when I was younger, I got into, it was room service at this, at this resort. I would do that in the mornings and I was cashier like at night. And then after that, I would just go out with friends. Let's go out, let's drink. And it's like, you're not even old enough to get into a bar. So I would like hop over like the, like, I don't know. It was, I thought it was so fun. I'm like, this is so cool. And it's like just drinking a lot more than Mm -hmm. I should be right. Like a lot of people go through that when they're younger, Oh, partying, all this stuff. But I feel like for me, there wasn't an end in sight. I was just like, I need, I need to have this. I need this in my life. I can't function without this. I need to be doing this. And then also getting around this very unhealthy relationship. So getting into like Mm -hmm. different relationships with different guys and like thinking, and then having going through a lot of the stuff at at a young age and then really having something like, especially going through like sexual assault and then being like, okay, well that's on me and thinking like, well, I should, it is not even as bad. Like I can just forget it and I can just do different things and I'll, I'll just go over here. I'll do this. And then I'm in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it'll just, you know, it didn't, it wasn't really, I'll forget about it, you know, by I'm just going to go out with these other people and getting into like what you commonly hear about with bipolar, which is like the hypersexuality thing. So that on an unhealthy end. And then also just being really mean to the people who were like my family, just starting to push people away, isolate, isolate, like, because I knew I'm like, I don't want you to be near me at this time. Like, I don't want you to have to feel like you need to do something. So maybe I'll just make you not like me. So that way you'll just go away on your own and then not have to feel bad about it. That was my thought process. So it was just really, just not taking it seriously and not really valuing myself because I learned from just the different things that I experienced. Well, I don't have 
value. I'm not really worth anything because that's what I was told. So I started to believe it and then acting out to fit that narrative. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, I can relate to absolutely everything you said there. Uh, all of it. it. It it hits me exactly the same way. The, um, you know, especially with the drinking. I mean, mm-hmm. that was something that I didn't really even like it that much, but it was so necessary just to anesthetize uh, mm-hmm. and to stop the intrusive thoughts. It was like, you know, self-medicating in a way to you know, just get my brain to slow down. Like anything to get me to slow down because I was fast, like always working, always going, barely sleeping. And then anytime silence crept into the picture, that was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to handle silence. And, you know, even, yeah, even with the, uh, the hypersexuality and the, uh, and being assaulted, like I was assaulted three times and mm-hmm. every single one of those times. I thought, well, that's got to be my fault because I'm I'm hypersexual, so I must have done something, mm-hmm. and so just then shame spirals, and then drinking, and then you know, for in my case, I was in a band, so lots of drugs, um, mm-hmm. just whatever I could get my hands on because, well, you know, why not? I have such a low opinion of myself already. Why not? Why not take it right right to the end of the road? Yeah. <laughs> so for mm-hmm. you, in in all of that, like, so by the time the diagnosis comes around, mm-hmm. uh, was that comforting in any way, or was did it make you more frightened? Yeah. So what happened first was I was I remember the I went I was put my parents were like hey let's go to this therapy go to counseling and do that. And I was initially diagnosed with depression and I kept thinking all along. Like I remember when I first started learning more about it, there's someone in my family who like has a diagnosis of bipolar and I talk about it in my book too, but going, I I always, I'm like, that could be a possibility. I don't know. And I'm like, that was before any of the the mania was there. It was always from like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, the depression, it was all of that. And then right when it was 18 and 19, that's when it was just boom, like manic 19, 20, 21, 22, like all through that. Mm -hmm. So I had that diagnosis of the depression and I was put on all these different medications and I just felt like nothing was making a difference. But at the same time, I wasn't doing anything differently. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, okay, I'll go to this appointment and I didn't take it seriously either. So that's also, again, like I would go to my appointments you know, my parents were like, Hey, you need to go, you know, go to your therapist, but I wouldn't take it seriously. I would just go in there and be like, well, I'm fine right now. You know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm g- in school, like I'm doing, getting good grades, whatever, you know, I have my boyfriend and like different stuff. I'm not really like happy, but I don't know how to come out of it. And I just was, it was just very surface level. I wasn't willing to like get into anything because at that time, I just, that's, I didn't want to tie. I'm like, this isn't going to go anywhere. I'm like, why are you making me go to these appointments? Why am I, it's not doing anything. And then when I was 19, that's when I got the diagnosis of bipolar one. So I was hospitalized for two weeks, which actually felt like a year. Cause you completely yeah. like, if you know, like just being in it, like you completely lose track of time altogether. And I feel like at that point, that was when I came home and I felt that sense of, okay, he, this is what is going on. So I can look into it more. I can research it more. Let me just, but then I didn't really start doing the work. That was at 19. I didn't really start doing the work until right before 
I was so 23, so 19, 20, 21, 22. So probably, so I'm 27 now. So like four years ago is when I first, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, cause I remember I had a friend who reached out. I haven't talked to in so long and was like, Hey, um, you know, there's this conference going on. It's like a personal development conference. And I'm like, what is that? I'm like, I've never heard of personal development. I've never heard of people going to conferences and getting right. in a room and like seeing people on sound. I'm like, this is so weird, but okay, sure. If you are saying I can come to this for free, then I'll go. And then I remember that's when I started thinking, okay, well, I mean, if all these people can get up on stage and say that they were at one point homeless and addicted to drugs and in prison and struggle with mental illness or whatever it is, then what can I do? Maybe I can do that one day or so maybe I can. And I, that's when the idea of maybe started to enter my head and just, yeah. But at first too, when I got the diagnosis, I remember being very open from the beginning. And then I started to comp like completely shut down and not didn't tell anybody because I remember opening up to some people and then it going really bad where it was like, almost like, okay, well she has, she's bipolar and this is like, and it made me feel worse and almost shamed and judged and like cast out because of it. So I was like, why did I share that? Like, why did I have to tell people that? Because I remember just telling a friend one time and then literally hearing a conversation, you know, telling them, telling someone else in a different room while she was in a, like a mental hospital or something, you know, just recently in like the psych ward and like, just, just come on. Like, and I'm like, I'm literally in the same room. Like I'm over here and I can hear you. Like if you want to learn about it, what? And I just, and I'm like, that's it. I'm not going to tell anyone because that's all people think when they hear that, they just think you're crazy, you're dangerous, you're a risk, no one's gonna take you seriously. So I just shut down for like years and then yeah. I didn't start telling the story until the podcast. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> a lot, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so explain that to me. Um, you know, what, what led you to finally say, you know, I. I I'm not only am I going to be public about this, but I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah. So what really got me to want to share that is when I was hospitalized, I was 19 years old. I mm -hmm. was court placed on court order treatment, bipolar one. They're like, Oh, it's just, you know, the most severe, just focus on your treatment. And I was never once asked about what are you doing when you leave? Like, are you in school? Like, are you, what's your, what's your plan? And that's when I went back and I actually went back to, I was in college at the time. So I finished school, graduated. And I remember I had like a bunch of job interviews lined up. And one of the interviews was actually to go back and work at the same place where I was a patient at. And I did the interview and like two days later they were like, we love it. Here's the job offer. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I don't know if I should do it. And then I then I did it and I went there and I remember working and it's so wild to me to go from that experience of being a patient like just completely in psychosis and there's certain things I don't remember and there's yeah. things I do I do really remember vividly and that's also scary to not remember the full picture because I mm -hmm. don't know what happened at that time, but going back and working with people and, and helping them. That's when I started to realize, well, I have this story. And every time I would see different people, I was going out to visit and visiting them in the hospital, going to their house. Be, I wanted to be like, Hey, like I have the same diagnosis. There was one girl I was working with. She was 20. I was 22 at the time or 21. She was the same age as me, same diagnosis as me taking the same medication. And I wanted to be like, like, I'm like, look at, I want to share this, but 
I couldn't and I felt like I couldn't and I'm like you can't open up and it's like you're just told don't don't share your story too much or whatever and it's like I want to build a relationship and be able to like actually give the people I'm working with instead of just me coming in and being like hey like are you taking your medicine did you go to your appointments and just being like that I want to give you real life stuff and just have that and I just felt like I couldn't do it and then like literally the pandemic happened and I just decided and I'm like okay well I'm gonna go back to school so I went back to school and then during that time I was like I was just I kept coming back to me this thing of like are you gonna talk about this are you ever gonna share this are you ever gonna share this and it was such a big part of my life that I would ignore and I mean even my roommate in college too she's like she was studying for the MCAT and she's like, Oh, like, cause my major was psychology. And she's like, Oh, yeah. how do you know? She was asking me like, Hey, can you tell me real quick, you know, the differences between bipolar one and bipolar two. And I was talking with her and she's like, how do you know so much about this? And I would just like, well, you know, it's my major. I, I was a tutor at the time too. So I would tutor other people in psychology <laughs> and I'd be like, that's yeah. what I do. And I would hide my medication. I remember like we lived in the same dorm and I would like hide my medicine and be like, and she's like, I remember, and then I, I literally like, I saw her actually recently and I'm like, she read my book and she's reading it, but she's like, I can't believe that whole time you felt like you had to hide that and you couldn't yeah. open up about it. And that's what really, and I feel like I made some videos before the podcast and then I just said, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like I know this is bigger than me and like, oh, what are people going to think about me and judge me? So I'm going to tell the story and that's what I did. And like, I did not expect, I really thought I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll just do, like tell this and that's it. But yeah. being able to have so many people reach out and be like, wow, I had no idea that you had this history. Well, my sister has this, or I went through this or my mom or someone else. And being like, hearing you share this really helps me understand them more to be yeah. able to help. And I'm like, okay. And that's when now I just don't, I'm so open. Like even even where I work now, like I'm like, people know, like, I'm like, yeah, I wrote a book and I, I used to be like, oh, it's about mental health. And it's, and I was yeah. very surface level. And now I'm like, no, it's my story, like living with bipolar. It's like on my LinkedIn, like whatever. Um, I don't, I don't have this. I mean, I still have that a little bit in the back of my mind. Like what are like people going to think, you know, it's like you're yeah. at your job. Like this is like tech. It's like a tech company with like sales. So I'm like, mm-hmm. they're like, they're like, oh, that might be a good thing because if you're manic, <laughs> you'll do really well or whatever. <laughs> but it's like I don't, ca- I don't care anymore because I remove myself by understanding when someone has a reaction to it, you don't know their story. Like they might have someone in their life mm-hmm. who has a diagnosis and it's just very, very difficult and they're seeing me being so open. So it's like people aren't used to that. So I don't take it personal anymore when – every, not everyone's going to be like, Oh wow, that's so cool. Like you wrote a right. book about it and you have a podcast. Not everyone is going to do that. So I don't right. have that expectation anymore. And I feel like I realize it's, it's a bigger battle for me to help do what I can to end the stigma for other people than sit in the, the fear of what are, what are people going to think about me? You know, what is yeah. someone, you know, am I going to get fired? I don't have a fear anymore. I'm like, if I get, if something happens, it, there's always more opportunities. I don't have this fear anymore. So Mm -hmm. that was a big thing to overcome that. Well, and with like, like for one of the things that, uh, I, I told a story once, um, uh, where I was talking about 
the mania being such an interesting thing. It's, you know, like, uh, you know, have you ever decided to take apart a washing machine that had nothing wrong with it? Have you ever decided to, you know, call your high school guidance counselor to tell them that you solved racism and you wanted an assembly put together and you had graduated two years earlier? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, mania takes a lot of forms and makes you do a lot of different things. And I feel like sometimes those stories, uh, it, it can be a little bizarre and outside of the realm of what, you know, maybe someone who doesn't have that would ever deal with. Do you have any f like fun mania stories? Like what would you normally do when you were in a phase other than just work yourself to death? Yeah. So I remember what I would, a lot of what I would do is just, it just go out and just thinking it, it was like almost tell, just seeing how far you could go with people. Like I remember mm -hmm. one time it was just being going, I think it was a nail salon, just like completely being like, Oh, like I'm traveling to these different countries and like doing these different modeling jobs and like everyone believes it. And I'm like, how, like, yeah. what is this? And I just would be this character of like, Oh, I would, you know, mm -hmm. tell these stories and then just end up going shopping and just, you know, buying all these clothes and all this stuff I don't need. And then mm -hmm. staying up all night, like having just not being tired, just let me just start to work on this or let me like put an idea together and start writing songs or let me make some music and then starts. I would just sing all the time. And I remember like, I think it was like one year, I think my, my parents were like doing Christmas lights cause they're huge on like decorating, like go crazy with mm -hmm. it. And I'm in the yard. I'm just like walking around, like singing out loud, like singing different songs and like going through the whole neighborhood. I would get up and go on runs yeah. And like go on runs, do all these crazy workouts, like, and then just, and constantly be like, well, it's, I'm healthy. I'm like doing all these things for me, but, and, and just, and also too, like the other, the other side of it too, of just meet, like meeting all these random people that I'm like, oh, like when I was in like community college, I remember being like, oh, like there's these dating apps. I'm going to go on these apps and just match all these people. Look at all these matches I have. Look at all these conversations. Look at all these people I'm meeting. And I'm like, it's, yeah. I'm like, this is so cool. And then realizing that I'm not even able to make any real connections because I didn't care. I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to ever tell this side of my life to someone. So I'll just meet with these people. And, you know, it's a surface level thing. But that also was messed up because now it's like you have people who are getting to know you and they're like, oh, like, what are we in a relationship? What's going on? Like, and I'm like, no, I don't know. You know? And then just be thinking like, and ended up ending up becoming the person I said I wouldn't be where I'm hurting other people because that same thing happened to me. And I'm like, in a weird way, I'm like, I'm never going to do that to someone. But then you turn into that person, but you're like, well, I'm doing all these things. Yeah. I'm still, I'm doing it a lot. I'm getting a lot done. I'm so productive. And just also like the, the overconfidence, like super inflated, like, the way that you think of yourself like i'm i can do this better than anybody and in, in ending up getting into a lot of fights so getting into a lot oh, of yeah. fights at the jobs that i've had so i remember when i was working in different jobs like just saying stuff it's like what like how do you act like that and just and then just getting upset at people and just like going through different phases of like you know just losing jobs and then quitting and then and then fighting with it's just arguing all the time and then wanting to find something to, to argue about. Like, it's like, you can't just, it's not, you don't know what normal is. So when you finally meet someone who is, you're like pushing it away. And that's really what I did for the longest time. Even okay. when I first met, um, my fiance, we're getting married in four months. But when I, even when I, that is like another story too, of like, just like, no, like this is like, you don't want to fight. You don't want to argue. You don't want to like, 
find something to like be mad about. And it, <laughs> I would try to search for things and I'm like, well, I would just, let's fight about this or like, and now it was just, it was such a constant state of chaos, but mm-hmm. it felt productive. So I yeah. liked that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing. I mean, you know, it, it feels really great. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people will put up with the crash that comes mm-hmm. afterward because they know that the, the, the roller coaster is going to go back up at some point. It's such a gamble. It's such a roll of the dice on how long it's <laughs> going to last or what's going to happen. Like a lot of times I wouldn't even know that I was in a mania until I woke up one morning and it was gone. And then mm-hmm. I had all of these things that I had set up in place and it was like, Oh no. Oh no. I spent a lot of money. I made mm-hmm. a lot of plans. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> but it's, it is it is interesting and you know I, I i just recently started taking medication again after going without a mood stabilizer for a long time yes and it's working whereas it wasn't working for me before and you know i've been talking about these mental health things for a long time mm-hmm. and it just one day suddenly dawned on me you know it you developed all these coping mechanisms and ways to recognize your mania and ways to recognize uh, the depression and live with it. Good job. Mm -hmm. Good for you. But you don't have to live that difficult. Mm -hmm. You you know, the medications come a long way. I'll bet you there's something out there that, and if it doesn't work, you can titrate off and do something different. Mm -hmm. So for you, I know that you've talked about it before about, you know, the different various cocktails that you've tried medication wise, but Mm -hmm. walk me through that journey a little bit and what that was like for you. Yeah. So in the beginning, when I was first diagnosed, it was with depression. I was on, it was like, I think Abilify, Wellbutrin, Lamictal, Mm -hmm. Prozac. There was like two other ones and there was like six different, like I would try do this, do this, do this. And then I remember like bringing up in sessions with the psychiatrist that I was seeing, which is also weird because I went to school with his, I went to elementary school and I'm like, I like brought that up one time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I went to school with your, your kids and whatever. But he's like, yeah, um, I would bring up, I'm like, I think I, this bipolar might be something that's would make sense because it's in my family history. And he's like, no, like you don't have that because like you're getting good grades, you're working two jobs, you're, yeah. there's no, like, and I'm like, but I'm up all the time. I can't slow down. Like, this is like, something's going on. And like, I'm, no one's listening to me because I look like I'm fine, but I'm not like, yeah. look at my relate. Like I, I have a relationship. Yeah. But that ended because I decided to one day I was like, fine, I'll take, you know, a couple of these pills that I'm taking. What if I, if I take more of them, maybe right. I'll be something will happen different. And then that actually ended up kicking me. Cause if you give someone who has bipolar an antidepressant, it can make them manic. And that's what mm-hmm. I took a lot and it made me. So I started, took out my phone, sending him all these messages and just being just so mean, like t- terrible. And all of a sudden, like, and it was always like just constant fighting back and forth. But then I remember one day he was like, no, I'm actually done. And I just was like, no, like we, you say that we say that all the time, but it's not like real. And then really understanding just the impacts of that. So I feel like then I, I remember like, so that was what I was on. And then I don't think I was on anything for a while. And then when I was hospitalized, that's when I was put on lithium 
and they yeah. had it was respiratol in the hospital but i remember i literally yeah. would in the hospital i could not i couldn't like open my hands i could like i was like always hunched over and it i have a heart murmur already and it made me like i just had a really hard time breathing so i remember i refused i said i'm not going to take this medicine and i remember when i was finally able to leave the judge when i was on the court order treatment there the judge was like well you refuse this medicine and you basically you can't do that so i was like you know what i don't agree with that but i'll just say whatever i need to to go home like okay i'm like okay fine i will do whatever i will say whatever because they they don't care like whatever fine so i remember when i got back home i was put i was still on lithium that was it but i was on it was probably like 1200 or something like a way much higher dose and then over time like i remember taking myself off because it was a there was a 450 pill that i was it was at night and i stopped taking that one because we were just drinking a lot more like i was drink i would drink like remember even with like when i was younger like probably like 20 years old, 21, 22, like drinking, like it was always beer and it was always like shitty. Like that's what I would just drink like six beers. And it's like a lot yeah. and just drinking like that much in a night and just drinking in more and more and more. And then that's when I, I, I said, okay, I'm just going to take the morning one. And now, I mean, I still, I've always been on it. The only time I've ever gone off a of medication was one time when it was last last year actually for three months and i was like and that was actually i was like well you know i'm doing so good i've done all this work like i don't think i let me just see how it goes and i remember telling my fiance i'm like if you notice anything like tell let me know and then like i'll we can like fix it whatever so that's and i remember what i noticed because i've always with the bipolar one i've always had more of the mania like anyway always had more of that side like so I remember what started happening is I would, I would just out of nowhere, just start crying. Like I'd be on a walk and I would just be crying. I'd be working. And I just, it was so on, I couldn't explain it at all at all. It made no sense. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, I don't know what's going on. And like, I'm just like, I'm just going to go back on it. So I went and I've, and I take it and I've, now I've, I've still been on that one. And I know there's a lot of people who have bad, really bad experiences on lithium mm-hmm. And people who have good and it's that's what I tell people is it's different for everybody there's people out there who are on no medication there's people out there who take one two or three whatever you know it's just depends on what works for you or they do different kinds of treatments like I'm not opposed to anything like if it's what's good for you it's what's good for you and I know there's people who are like super anti don't take anything ever at all and there's people who are like you need to take like multiple things but that's what's working for me and like eventually um i'm not gonna just go off of it again you know i would go down but you know right now like i that's the thing is i take it i mean probably like five times a week five like i don't take i mean like i'll miss like a day or two that's it but i don't notice there's nothing that i notice but yeah i mean that's kind of my story with that but i've had i haven't had a bad experience on it um, just other than, and I, you know, obviously go to your, get your levels checked and all that, um, that I do, but yeah, I mean, it's a hard thing because I, I feel like I had people around me who were like, you're doing so good. Like you don't need to take that, you know, right. like you're doing so good. And I would be like, you know what, maybe you're right. Like I heard this is bad for people and you can't take it when you have kids anyway. So I'm like, I'm just going to start now that way. And, you know, now I know, you know, I can like go down if I want to, but yeah, 
it's like, just like your story, like you, you talked about your experience with medications. Like everyone has their own thing of what, what's worked, what hasn't. So I don't want to put shame on someone because like, oh, and like, that's the thing is for me, I don't see like what's working for me is working. So I wouldn't see the need right now to, oh, let me add all these other medicines on top of it. Mm -hmm. But if someone else is taking like, you know, six or five different things, like, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like a lot that that's their situation. I'm not going to try to make that person feel bad. Like you're taking a lot of things, you know, right. Don't you want to take one of them off or something? Like I wouldn't say that, but right. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's definitely very individual. Like Mm -hmm. I, I know people who have decided that medication is not for them. And you know, I basically, the only thing I ever say about that is, well, uh, you know, as long as you're managing yourself, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got somebody in your life that can pay attention because that's the thing that, that really is key is having people in your life that know your situation Mm -hmm. and know how to tell you when you're outside of your boundaries, because sometimes you're a little too close to it and you just can't see it. Mm -hmm. So with the lithium, um, what has your experience been like? I mean, it sounds like it's been overall positive with the other medications. However, what were some of the, what were some of the negatives that made you decide they were not for you? Yeah. And I feel like for me, it's so hard to remember. Cause I feel like that was almost 10 years ago. Just like thinking, and I feel yeah. like at the same time, like I wasn't, I didn't do any of the work at all period. Like I right. was now today in my life, like I drink probably like once or twice a week and I don't even drink. I like, I can't do it. I don't even want to do it how I used to. Like, I'm like, I don't have any, I'm like, it's fine to like have some drinks. I'm like, I'll like drink two drinks and I'm like, that's it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fine. Um, but yeah. So back then I feel like for me, I think it didn't work because I just, I again, like wasn't in the mindset of, I need to make any kind of changes. So I'm like, I didn't see the benefit of even doing anything. So I'm like, I don't even need it to, and I didn't take it at the right times. And like, I remember, I just, and I don't think it was even the, it wasn't even the right fit because I used to always see it as a misdiagnosis, but at the time, the only thing that showed up was the depression. So how can a doctor or someone, cause I always be like, it's their fault. They said I had depression when it's bipolar. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but how would they know that? Because none of the manic side was coming out until later. And that's a lot of what you hear. And so many people I've talked with who also have, whether it's bipolar one, bipolar two, or they're like, they're, they're talking about cyclothymia. They're, they're saying, well, you know, I was diagnosed with depression or, and then also like, oh, maybe it was borderline personality. Cause for so long, I'm like, I think I have that. Like I would go on Google and I'm like, oh, I have, you know, unstable relationships and I try and I do this. So I have borderline, like what is, and then it's just like the whole thing. So my experience with lithium has, I haven't had any, and I feel like the only reason it was negative just from what I've heard, because I remember this one lady that I, I used to know, she was, uh, she was a psychiatric nurse practitioner and she's like, lithium's like the worst. It's so old, like old medicine. People yeah. shouldn't be taking that anymore. It's like terrible. Like you're never going to be able to have kids on this. And you just hear stories of people who are like, Oh, I've taken lithium and just, I've had all these problems. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to get off this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to not take it. Yeah. And I, I mean, for three months I was like the same. And then I just slowly started noticing like 
different. I noticed it in myself and I would get like upset and then start like, just like, and I, and I, I had a hard time setting boundaries. So like when people mm-hmm. weren't doing things, like I remember going to different appointments where people would show up late and I'd be like, it's okay. They're late. You know, it's fine. And then one time being like, you've been late like every single time. And like, for me, it's either like I let it go or it's like over here where I get really, yeah. that's how it's always been. And I feel, and I start to feel very, very bad about that. And I'm like, see, this is because of the bipolar thing. Like if I didn't have this, I probably wouldn't treat people like this and I probably wouldn't be in this situation. But for me, like the medication hasn't, I haven't had it to where like, honestly, like I, I haven't had, I don't think an, an episode, I guess you could say since the beginning of like the pandemic, because I remember at the beginning, I was also drink again, drinking a lot more, not yep. doing any of the work. I think I just started, maybe just started the podcast, like probably just got into it. But I remember just drinking a lot and then just yelling and just getting so upset and like looking for problems and like looking for different mm-hmm. things and like feeling so out of control. But then when I started changing those things and cutting out my, I had to work on my relationships. I had a lot of people around me who liked that version of me. They're like, you're hilarious. Yeah. You're funny. The stuff you say and the way you act. And it's like almost like watching a character. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also like unhealthy and like, I could get arrested or like killed for what the the way I used to act. Like, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. And just treating people the way that I did. So I stopped doing those things. I stopped. I, and it was hard because I've had people in my life for over 10 years that I've had relationships with where I'm like, you know, and I would, that's when I stopped drinking as much. And I'm like, I don't really want to drink tonight or I just want, you know, one drink. And they're like, you're just going to have one. Like, right. What? Like, and I'm like, I just don't want more. I mean, like I'll, I don't even know. And it's like, I think about stuff coming up, right? It's like, okay, our wedding, like our, my bachelorette party, all these things. Like I'm obviously going to drink, but it's like, I don't see myself. Like I need, I need to black out. Like that's how right. it was before. Like I, every single time, like I need to drink a lot because it's more fun and whatever. And I don't feel like that anymore because I've, I've changed that and I've gotten back into working out. I've gotten back at, back into changing my diet, like completely yeah. changing that and my sleeping completely changing that and working on healing the relationship with my mom, which was the biggest, biggest obstacle for me, like working on that. And now, you know, not having any conflicts or when they do come up, being super aware of that and then, okay. And then noticing now I know how to cope better with them than when before I would just be like, I'm just going to go off on people and just act like, I don't care where it is. I don't care if yeah. it's, you know, where I live or at work. I'm going to tell people like, you're a bitch and like, you can't do this. And it's like, you can't act like that. But I'm like, well, I don't care. They need to know. And it was like almost no self-control. And, you know, after making these changes and I think the medication is a big part of that because I feel like even now, if I just go off of it completely, Mm -hmm. then I have the potential to go back to that and get even worse. So I don't want to do that. So I stay with what I'm doing and like maintain the work I've done by, just having my plan in place and just really, you know, following it to the best that I can. And it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but that's just Mm -hmm. how you, how you live your life. (laughs) Well, and, and speak to me a little bit about that. I want to know a little bit about, uh, sorry, uh, dogs. Uh, (laughs) We'll wait. I hear (laughs) how many dogs, how many dogs, is that your dogs? Uh, It's just one. Yeah. It's just the one, but she's enough. She's definitely enough. It's a rescue. 
uh, pit bull Aww. that I've had for a lot of years now, and she's oh just gosh. the greatest dog I've ever had. But at the same time, everybody who comes anywhere near the house, it's like, oh, danger. Yeah, <laughs> so, so protective. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but answer me this. So uh, as far as everything that you've got going on um, with the book and the podcast, how, how have your family reacted to that? Yeah, so I remember when the book, so actually it's almost been a year now. So it, it was it came out in October, but the like a week from today is like the the, the launch party that I had. So I remember yeah. my editor that I was working with was like and that's really what got me to go back to therapy and finish the work to fix the relationship with my mom and I told her about it and I'm like she's not going to care like you know she, yeah. I feel like I'm like I feel like she's never been there for me she's never been supportive she's we've always fight it been fighting and I just don't think she's going to care about this and I remember telling her and then she kind of was like, well, you know, like there's people here fixing the house. And I just, I always, I always just felt like you could be like, oh, I won like a Pulitzer prize or something. And she's like, right. Okay. Well we're having pasta for dinner. So, and it just was always <laughs> completely ignored. And then going mm -hmm. back into working on that and really t being able to actually be able to communicate. Cause for so long, I just was afraid to be like, this is how I feel. I feel like you you make me feel like this and this is how it's coming across. And then I feel like she just gonna be like, okay, well that's you, like you're taking it that way. But then actually being able to have that conversation and do, and that's really what the book helped with was my editor was like, well, are you going to tell your mom about this? Cause like you talk about her in the, in the story. And then that's really what helped me be able to end it on the note where we are close now. And like, we're going to see them where we see them like a lot now and just like, and then, cause I've always had a really good relationship with my dad and like I felt, but I still didn't fully like feel like I t could tell him like the mental health. We've always, he was just always like, we would talk all, every day. Like he, we were always close. And like my parents have been together for like um, almost 30 years, married with five yeah. kids, five kids, and we're Italian. So it's a lot. To oh, deal wow. With. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like that's really the biggest, the one of the biggest things that helped me was being able to learn you know the fact that the way when she grew up she like mental health again wasn't talked about wasn't really discussed dealt with she didn't have any support for like her experiences and that's when i was like oh my gosh like because that's when i realized if i didn't do any of this work and i had a daughter and she was telling me different things i would be like like what do you want me to do like go you know just right go to your i wouldn't know how to help with that and i'm like okay that's and then i started to have empathy for that and understanding and like wanting to be there to like understand that and then like be able to because i'm like i always i would always say like we're not even going to be in each other's lives anymore and I, I remember having a panic attack because of this and literally having a and i only had i think a, three panic attacks in my life but just feeling like what is like i just couldn't open my hands i couldn't like just calm down and i'm like we haven't talked in months like she never asked me how i'm doing it's like but then at the same time i didn't do that either and realizing that we're very similar right. and i would always be like i'm nothing like her you know we're nothing alike at all like she just and then really being able to come back and say you know i'm working on the story and i'm trying to you know work on myself and then she actually remember her I sent her like one of them to read and she sent me this like long message of like, I'm just so proud of you. And like, I'm just, I never expected that. Cause like growing up, it wasn't 
it wasn't like, oh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. It, we didn't have like any right. of that kind of relationship. And I would always want that. And I feel like I would like seek that out in other ways by being like, I wish I had a mom who was like, I love you. I'm proud of you. How's your day? How's your ask about different things? And then actually being able to like work on that was huge because I always would say it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me, but it re- obviously it did. If you keep yeah. bringing it up, you know? So. Well, I could talk to you until the cows come home on this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I definitely want to have you back at some point so we can talk some more. And I can't wait to talk to you on your show. Yes. Very excited about it. Uh, but uh, thanks for talking to me today. Of course. This was amazing. I love the conversation. I can't wait to get into your story on Live Well Bipolar. <laughs> and I can't wait for this to come out to share it and just continue more of these conversations because. I mean, they help me. I'm, I and I'm pretty sure they help you, and they help everyone who's out oh, yeah. here listening. So, yeah, I'm super, super excited. Wasn't that amazing? What did I tell you? Uh, we were so lucky to have her, and this was such a great conversation. I really hope to have her back at some point. If you want to get some more Paris in your life, and I know that you do, why would you not? Go ahead and go uh, find the Live Well Bipolar podcast. It is fantastic. You will love it, especially if you love this one. If you love this one, you're going to love that one. Uh, also, don't forget to check out her book, Crooked Illness. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, as for me, you can find me here uh, just about each and every week, and you can find me every week on Thursdays at meetup.com slash coffeeoversuicide. Uh, there's a meetup group. It is not recorded. It is just for people to get together. But until next week, don't kill yourselves out there. <laughs>